0: This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special episode of the TalkSport Daily, the first in a three-part series, brought to you in partnership with GG Poker, the official sponsors of the World Series of Poker, which is coming to London for the very first time in 10 years, from the 27th of July to the 13th of August. I'm Andy Goldstein and today I'm joined in the studio by the genius that is the poker star in Charlie Carroll and Tony Cascarino, ex-Chelsea and Republic of Ireland striker, some would say genius, semi-professional poker player and presenter of course on TalkSport. I'm going to be picking their brains for all their best tips, tricks and advice you need to improve your poker game and of course giving you an insight on what life is like on the worldwide poker circuit. So Cass and Charlie, hello, firstly, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you both. I suppose I have to start with the obvious question and I'll I'll come to you first, Charlie. How long have you been playing Poker For How did you first get into it?
1: So I, I've
0: been playing around a decade.
1: I was always obsessed with poker. I always used to watch in my, you know, in, my, in my pajamas when I was 12, just watch all these high rollers on the screen. I had no idea what was going on. But I'd always be fixated on the game because there was something about watching people stare each other down and try and figure out if they're bluffing that just caught my imagination. I grew up on a council estate, never had any money. <laughs> I played the first game I ever played. It was a $1 tournament. It was probably like 180 runners. And I won for 45 <laughs> and it was one of the most exhilarating moments of my life, one of the best runs I've ever had. And from that moment, I was hooked. And so I moved in with my grandma, went to Jersey, turned her study into my office and... Uh yeah, I made, I made something like 250k.
0: Wow. We'll come back to that. So I mean, that's ridiculously fast. You've made that kind of money. But I, I'm guessing it's a generational thing. People can't see the both of you, but if they could, Cash, you almost <laughs> look like his granddad. That's all I'm saying. And, and by that, I mean... Uh, I'd be- say dad. I don't because- oh, cheer, that cheers, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. I was going to go, great granddad. But the, the reason <laughs> <laughs> I say that is because it's such a generational thing because, yeah. Charlie, you got into it online, right? And you were yeah. at university. And I'm guessing, Cass, you would have got into it Maybe playing poker on a coach going to a football match. Or how did how did you get into it?
2: Well, first of all, when I was a kid, uh, my family, my my dad's mum and dad, they lived in the Elephant and Castle. They in a the flat, and all seven children would play poker with my granddad. So he had his seven kids there, and all play poker. And I was a bit like Charlie, where I'd be obsessed with watching and seeing the dynamics. We even within a uh, family playing cash live he used to play cash only in pence at that particular time we're talking early 70s so i always had a love for poker in some bizarre way um, but you're right playing on buses going on international duty my favorite and andy townsend will, will tell you this as well because we're all into i it was my roommate with republic of ireland i used to you get your match fee you got your check every trip i always came home with free players checks like deposit them all the time. Like, I'd get, I would get I don't want to name their names but it, I, think I you should from, name them, Cass. Well, okay. One was John Aldridge, <laughs> one was David <laughs> Kelly, and one other one was Paul McGrath. Wow. Regularly get their checks because I knew the basics of the game and I also was playing in the early 80s at the Victoria Casino in London in the live cash games on a regular basis so I was playing football and going to the casino I mean I've actually played against Charlie 10 years ago when we were he was at the start of his poker career at the Vic so
1: one of the uh, first mugs that ever greeted me in that <laughs> casino do you, do you, do you remember do you, do you
0: remember the first time you played each other
1: I, as soon as I saw you I recognised it was like Victoria Casino yeah, so yeah. it must it must have been a few times Yeah, uh, and that's where I first started playing live as and well. that would have been but, probably
2: the 1-2 game then Charlie yeah, wouldn't yeah, it yeah. the small, the smaller
0: game that's what I was going to ask you actually Charlie is there a huge difference or was there from your perspective from playing online and not being able to look at people and read them yeah. to sitting opposite someone on a table is it a completely different game for you it is a completely different game so like poker's one of the games
1: one of the only games where you get to find that duality between logic and And psychology, or like mathematics, and intuition, or whatever it is, and online it's still there, but it's like you're trying to outthink the other person. You're trying to think, why would they do that theoretically? In person, as you can imagine, you just look at somebody in the eye and you try and feel if if you think they're strong or not. And so, when I first got into playing live poker, I was terrified because I've been crushing online but I'd be like, well, I don't know if I got tells. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to hold my chips. I ended up making some ridiculously bad mistakes just because I was so nervous. But the other difference is that people that play live tend to suck people at casinos tend to not be very good at poker because they're, they're not playing millions Cheers. of fans. <laughs> with, with all due respect, as, as my I compadre you, here makes a plain example of. There's no respect in that.
0: <laughs> well, Catherine, it's different for you, of course, because I, I would imagine, this is going to sound insulting, but I don't mean it to be, but when you started out playing poker, mm. the internet hadn't even been invented, right? No,
2: absolutely. I don't <laughs> well, think electricity Spock. was no, around, Spock. right? And,
1: look,
2: and I would say to that, Andy, look, Charlie's, you know, when he first started playing... And the early days of the internet is that there was multiple table playing, where Charlie might play six tables at the same time. And when they come to the live game, there's one table. It's not six, so you imagine on the screen you're sitting with your laptop and it's in front of you, and you're literally the screens are flicking. Charlie, aren't it was they? more like
1: twenty-four tables. Oh, okay, he's yeah. playing
2: twenty-four tables yeah. at the same time, so he can play. How do you do that? Oh, it's incredible to watch. The the cool thing Sorry, that, you're
0: playing in 24 different games at the same time. Yeah, I, it, I used to do it a lot more when I was a uh, hardcore 19-year-old with a monster drink in front we'll of me. We'll get into the strategy of the game, yeah, but isn't yeah, yeah. a big part of that seeing how the trends in which people bet?
1: There there are a bunch mm. of different ways to play poker. You can You can play it purely mathematically and you don't really pay attention to dynamics of the table and mm. things like that. Or you, especially when you're playing live, you, you get, okay, he bluffed me last time in this kind of situation, so maybe he will again, or maybe he'll think the level above or things like that. So when you're playing 24 tables, you don't really get those, those kind of dynamics. You just try and out-theory the person.
2: Uh, and Charlie's spot on when he talks about a lot of live players. One thing is that they have bad habits and they repeat them quite often. And with that, some of it to me, the obvious tells that I always feel is the pattern betting, where they bet certain amounts with certain hands. And it becomes pretty obvious. So you know where you are a lot. It feels like their cards are transparent, and you know. And then there's players you know so well that they're. I mean, Charlie would say this as well that there's some players that will never, ever bluff. You know, that's the massive difference between the low rank and the high, where well, the high rank players, they'll have you in, they'll send your head spinning with the, some of the moves they make. And that is, I found that transition the most interesting.
0: So let me ask you, we've got the World Series of Poker in London, right? So you must be very excited about that. It's coming up, right? Hell yeah, I'm playing it. You're playing it. Okay, yeah. so so going back to what you've just been talking about, right, how much do you think success relies on knowing your opponent and how much of your success will rely on the cards that come in and the, the sort of mathematics behind how you're playing?
1: you can't be the best in the world or even close unless you understand the mathematics. So that that the the bare bones of being a good poker player is understanding the theory, the game theory, the logic that what we call range analysis. So here's the here's the range of hands my opponent can have and how how to kind of assess which one of those hands he might have. When it comes to playing live, that that's the foundation and on top of that you build the other things. On top of that you build the psychology, the reading and my my specialty in poker is, is being able to read people now, you know, I, I turned from that guy that never played into a casino to many years later, for me that I, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm right up there with being able to read my opponents. So when I'm playing against people, maybe I'll know them and I've played them before in the high stakes, but maybe I've not. But there are some universal tells that once you get very keenly aware of what they are on people, you can spot them on basically anybody in the world.
2: I I find it it's interesting because I watched a hand that was on in, in, in a poker event recently, and one that struck strikes me is when someone asks how much has he bet, yeah, as if they're they're weak, right? Because how much has he bet, and you go. Oh, right, okay. He knows exactly how much they've bet. And the reason he's asking, because normally I find he's got a super strong hand. So he's working out how he's going to try and get the rest of his chips. Look,
0: could that not be a double bluff? If, oh, well, if, if yeah, that's something that's okay, known across the yeah. book,
2: There's no obvious one, Andy, to this, because no. I'm, again, reverting back to what Charlie said, that's another interesting one. Look, there's c- cooler situations in the game, which means you're going to get all your chips in and it's a coin flip. and But you've got to be prepared to do that because the best players always apply pressure to you. So I try and do that within the games I play. The pressure is one of the major ways to beat people. Do, do you know each other's tail? Oh, no, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know each other. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll know many of his because everyone, everyone has the same tails.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, well, yeah, it's killed me, Yeah. No, Here, Ch- it?
1: Here's the thing when you talk about tails. There are two categories that you can, you can kind of describe them. There are some people that are so deeply empathetic they can just sit near you and feel if you're uncomfortable. Someone like Patrick Antonius very, very finely tuned to just like the, the wave, like the vibe of the other person. The kind of tells that I like to do, I, I do the, that as well, but the kind of tells that I think are more universal is like, okay, what is something that the person can't control? Like you were saying before, they can, they can turn something to a double bluff or a triple bluff or whatever it is, but what can they not control? Can they not control how how often they're blinking? How Can they not control how quickly their their heart rate's going? Can they not control what's happening with their, the tenseness in their shoulders? So can they not control how they smile when they're uncomfortable versus that when they're comfortable? And there's a list of those things that if you get to understand them, here's what happens when someone's comfortable, here's what happens when they don't. How often does that happen at what regularity? And it's so nuanced and gorgeously complex <laughs> that one, once you really get a hook on it, it almost feels like... You're playing an instrument when you're looking at another, another person.
2: If a player's playing you, Charlie, and yeah. they've got the same psychology as you, what would you be doing to try and make them be confused about if you're bluffing or if you've actually got it? Or, you know, yeah. So they're looking at Charlie. You're playing yourself.
1: So first thing I do when I, when I sit down with somebody that's also looking at tells, yeah. I look for what they're looking for and I look for what they're pretending not to look at. So if somebody's staring at my hands... And they're very good at live tells. I know they're not really looking at my hands, they'll probably look at my eyes. Mm. So I'll look to see when they're looking at me. And then what I'll do is I'll try and give subtle reverse tells in that direction or if they're extremely proficient and I want to be thinking about other things I'll just shut down or cover up. So like if you if you have a thing where your eyes tend to give away what you have, you can wear sunglasses. I don't do that, but no, you could.
0: I don't I don't personally like that. So can, can I this sounds my next question is going to sound bonkers, right? For yeah. someone like me who loves playing poker but plays it on a completely different level to you guys, right? Yeah. Obviously. Would you say, out of all the factors that come into winning a poke hand, so you've got you know, the, the, the manner in which you're betting, right? Mm-hmm. The tells. If someone is maybe a little bit tense when they're betting or the way they play with the chips, when you add everything up, would you say the cards are the least important factor as mm. to whether or not you're going to win a hand?
1: They're the most important, but, and it, it is a big but, the bigger disparity of skill between you and your opponent, the less the cards matter. Yeah. So... One of the most beautiful things about poker is that you you could log on right now. You could get a you could get a GG account. You could deposit twenty dollars and you could play against the best in the world. Well, if they're playing for twenty dollars, hypothetically, and you could win, and that that's what makes poker so addictive for some people. And this is why you should only really invest what you can afford to lose because you get that win no matter if you're good or bad at poker, it happens at some point because the cards will eventually go in your favour.
0: Okay, yeah. so, so let me ask you. So you you and I had a chat before we started this podcast and you told me your incredible success. Am I I'm allowed to say how yeah, much? Yeah, you, yeah, so popular. you've won over 10 million pounds or dollars? It's sort dollars, of irrelevant. Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. money. <laughs> so so people listen to this. There'll be um, beginners listening to this and they'll be thinking, well, I need a bit of advice and I need maybe some advice on strategy as well. What would you give someone that's maybe just getting into the game of poker? It's a really, really important thing, because
1: if you want to take poker seriously, you have to do a few things correctly. First of all, you want to play very good, what we call bankroll management, meaning you only put in what you can afford to lose. So if you have $100 to your name, you don't want to put in more than like $3 into a game. You know, if you have a hundred thousand, you don't want to put in more than like two or three thousand, something like that. You make up your own, your own rules and you stick to it. You stick to it really, really strictly. Otherwise, that's how a lot of people go bust. Secondly, you find a good site. Back in my day, it was it was PokerStars. These days, it's probably GG is like the, the biggest site. Um, and you take advantage of their deposit bonuses, you take advantage of free rolls, and you just try and spin up a bankroll. But, and the third part of it is you take it seriously as a cognitive experience. You don't just purely gamble. You want to look at the strategy. Like I, I have a YouTube channel, other people have YouTube channels and, and things where you could take free advice on how to beat these, these games and become a, a, a higher-level thinker than the people that you're playing against. And See, that, that's the most important. It's
2: really interesting because I found that when I started playing, and you, you have rollercoaster rides, don't you, Charlie, in oh, the game? Yeah. There's, a, there's a line, poker hospital, which basically means, oh, he's, he's badly wounded, he's lost his money, he's not around at the moment. Okay, But I found
1: that,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I found that basically you have to treat it like a job. So everything that you need to do, like to go on your show this afternoon, Andy, you will do research. You will be looking at the interesting parts of the show that are going to make your show better. So it's it's exactly the same. Discipline is massive in poker. One of my biggest strengths is, is, like Charlie had mentioned, is I don't have an ego where I think I need to play in the biggest game in the world. If I think a game is more value over there and it's a lower amount, and it's less a uh, smaller amount of stake the stake to, to buy into. I'll play that because I think it's easier to win in. There's, I don't let my ego get the better of me. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you need to play with the very best, because you, that's where I use tournaments. I get, go into tournaments. And I play against some of the best players in the world, and I'm looking to learn from them. But I've done you know I I've, I've watched 10 poker videos this morning. I've watched... You need to get out the, more. No, yeah.
0: I, 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 I'm I,
1: saying that I, as a professional. You probably need to say, <laughs> no, take a I, break, I, mate. No, no, no,
2: don't get me wrong. They're, they can be like from five minutes long to 15 minutes yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tend to... I mean, look, it doesn't give me the answer to a lot, but it does make me think much more on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you, because I, I watch a lot of poker, not as much as you two, obviously, but there's, there's some things I watch, and I'm like, okay, I need to know more about that. So let's talk about if someone's got a great hand, mm. right, and they decide to slow slow play with it Mm -hmm. right and then sometimes they would decide to bet aggressively as well Mm -hmm. is this all down to how you're feeling on the day is it down to how many people are sat opposite you at this given moment in this particular hand Mm -hmm. is it to do with how much money you've got in front of you how do you play each hand is it just how you feel at the time
1: yeah so if if you're learning any game, imagine you're learning chess. You want to know the basic moves. You, know, you want to learn, okay, you put your pawns out, then maybe a knight, then maybe a bishop. You do this kind of opening. And it's the same with poker. You want to learn, okay, usually when I, you want to raise before the flop and you want a continuation bet, meaning you carry on the aggression, even if you miss the board, because you understand that mathematically your opponents also missed it two-thirds of the time. And then the more of that knowledge you get, the more you can, you can really answer the question you just asked. But I'd say the main thing, poker can be a really good way to, if you just want to have like a side hustle it's pretty easy to get to the point where you can beat your friends or beat the local casino is it really it, it, people really do suck at casinos and uh, it, it, yeah, like do, they're they're re- do they really
0: <laughs> yeah they really do and well,
2: um, a, yeah, I, I, I think you're being a bit harsh there Charlie I think there's hold <laughs> oh,
0: no, he's won 10 million he knows no no about. no I'm not debating
2: that because what I would say Charlie's point is very valid because largely he's right. There is, I would say, 80 to 90% of people who go uh, are probably quite easy for Charlie to beat. That's one of the reasons why I go, by the way, because, and then there's great times to go as well. I like going, and sometimes my missus gets the hump with me on this one. My missus, I'll go out at 12 o'clock at night and go yeah, and play yeah, because I want the, the casual players.
1: That's when you want the drunk players, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know,
2: but I have a job as well, so I, I tend to have to manage the two. So there's no argument at all that online players have took the game to an extremely high level. That is an absolute uh, definite, and that's where Charlie's come from and his experience over the last 10 years.
0: For the first time in 10 years, the World Series of Poker returns to London in association with GG Poker. The World Series of Poker Super Circuit is in London from the 27th of July to the 13th of August and includes 15 gold World Series of Poker Circuit rings and a £7 million guaranteed prize pool. On top of that, you can qualify online for the £3,300 main event with a £3 million guaranteed prize pool exclusively at GG Poker. And just a final reminder from us that players must be 18+. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details, play responsibly and be gambleaware.org. So with all that in mind, Charlie, let me ask, just tell us a bit more about tournament play, how you approach the early stages of a tournament compared to, of course, the latter stages, which are... F- obviously hopefully you'll be in
1: yeah and i I want to give a shout out to to this tournament series as well it's hard to find good tournament series in london and they're going to be fantastic and the one the one that you just mentioned is uh is is going to be really good value and they're the thing is you can you can play satellites, and this is what a lot of my friends are doing, a lot of my students and a lot of professional poker players. They'll go online, they'll buy in for sometimes $0, sometimes $10, sometimes $100, and they'll try and satellite in, meaning that they can then get access to that £3,000 tournament for a lot smaller amount of, of money. So it's it's a very, very common thing for new players if they want to take a shot at the big money for that, for that moonshot to go into the satellites. When it comes to tournament strategy... What I would say is that when you're new to it, you want to play quite tight. You don't want to play too many cards. You don't want to go out of your out of, out of the way. No. So what does
0: that mean, too many cards? What does that mean? Mm.
1: So imagine you're sitting there and you look down and you've got ace seven offsuit. If you're an experienced player, maybe you want to play it. If you're a new player, maybe you want to throw it in the muck, fold it, wait until you've got some like ace queen, ace king, something like that. Because in tournament poker, you only get one life. In cash games, you rebuy, rebuy. It doesn't really matter so much. But in tournament poker, you look after those chips like they are your, your firstborn child. You really can't, you can't give away because if you're out, you're out, and then the game's over. So you have to be pretty, you have to be very selective, and then you have to know when to put on the aggression. And that's where your intuition for is this person the kind of person I want to be bluffing right now? That's when that has to kick in.
0: Have you have you got more chance of doing better in a tournament if you only play decent cards to begin with?
1: If you're an inexperienced player, yes, but you also need to be able to put the pressure on other people. And that's the difference between the early and the later stages. The later stages, you really need to be able to put somebody all in for their life as a bluff. You need to have that in your arsenal. Otherwise, you're going to be too predictable to play against. Whereas in the earlier stages, you'll have a lot of the weaker players still hanging around. You probably just want to play good cards, so you end up with a better hand than them.
0: Okay, uh, I've got a couple more questions for you that uh, are they're written down in front of me, but as a poker fan, I'm desperate to know the answers, actually. So just tell me about some of the key considerations when playing in a multi-table tournament.
1: Yeah, so a multi-table tournament is kind of the same as a tournament. It just means that instead of nine people, you might have like a 1,000 people. So in the tournament you just mentioned, the, the £3,000 buy-in, they've guaranteed there's going to be a 1,000 people within that tournament, hence the 3 million guarantee. So that means there's going to be a hell of a lot of tables of people. So what it means is, Okay, you have eight opponents ahead of you, but then ahead of that, you have another eight and another eight and another eight. And so it's actually it's a beautiful experience playing these tournaments because you start off with a small amount of chips and then half the field goes and you might have double the amount and another half goes and you're smaller and smaller and to the point where you may be final two tables, final table. And it's the most exciting thing seeing it go from a thousand people down to nine and you're like, I made it down to the final nine. And then being able to even get to the final three, final two, heads up and then winning a tournament, it just feels almost like a fairy tale story. It's like, how did, I, how did this happen? And for me, this is, this is the soul of the
0: poker world is tournament poker. Okay. well, listen, this is the first of three podcasts, Okay. I'm just going to throw a question of my own at you, and then I'll I'll have a similar question on podcast two and three, Okay. Okay. So this is just rattling about in my head. That you must, both of you, and I'll ask you on this one, Charlie, and then Cass on the second one, have a hand that you've been involved with that stands out as the greatest hand you've ever either played (laughs) or seen. What would it be for you, Charlie?
1: Yeah, greatest hand I've ever played. There are a few contenders... I really enjoy one that I played uh, against a man called Leon Sukenik. And I was playing in a 50,000 euro tournament in Prague. And we were final table and we we're playing for hundreds of thousands of euros. And I turn up to the river, all five cards are out and it's it's me. I have a really bad hand now. And, the, you know, it's, it, I've got pretty unlucky in the hand. And I have to bluff. Like theoretically, I know it, I exploit it, I just know that I have to bluff him. So I put out a bluff.
0: How, how much are we talking?
1: Um... It's probably worth around 150,000 euros is, is a big bet. Um, it, some, something. Like, it's hard to translate when it's tournaments, but some, something like that. So maybe, maybe 100,000 euros, something like that. And I see very quickly, he's got a pretty good hand after I bet. Like he starts talking in a way. He's never going to raise me. He, he's thinking about calling me. And so this man that I've bluffed, he's a billionaire like he, he's insanely rich and if there's one, one category of person in the world you don't want to bluff no it's the billionaires I learned that pretty early on the, the expensive way and so I did the only thing in my arsenal that I had left to try and convince him to fold and I just talked and I talked and talked and we had about a seven minute conversation I'm putting 100,000 150,000 euros on the line here and I'm talking as though I'm the most confident person in the world. And it was recorded on TV. And eventually, I got I got him to fold a really, really strong hand because he was convinced. He was convinced that he was about to own me by, uh, by getting in my head. And I could feel his ego wanting that story to be true so bad that he was going to make the greatest fold against a professional. And he threw, he threw his cards away, and afterwards, a bunch of professionals like, I can't believe he folded that. But
0: he wouldn't have known what you had, right? No, no. And no. you didn't afterwards go out, he had... Four High He
1: saw her on TV
0: Oh I see Okay <laughs> Sickening All the money in the world You see And he still feels sick uh, Listen um, A big thanks to both of you To Charlie Carroll And to Tony Casgrino I hope of course We've uncovered a few Poker secrets for you And we'll be back On our next episode On the psychology And the mindset Of poker In partnership with GG Poker The official sponsors Of the World Series of Poker Which is coming to London For the first time In ten years From the 27th of July To the 13th of August